the problem of sinat chinam, what we call baseless hate, um, <coughs> has been haunting the Jewish people for centuries and centuries. It's a very old problem, and it existed then and it exists today. And there are very few people who really look inside themselves, because generally if you don't look inside of yourself, you're one of the people who doesn't have baseless hate. But the minute you look inside yourself and you're a little bit critical, then comes a question. Do I have it or don't I have it? Sometimes it's not as extreme in one person than another. But the truth is we have to root it out completely in all of our all of us. My father, Tzapal of Rachel, studied in Panavish Yeshiva. Not the one in Bnei Brak, Panavish Yeshiva in Lithuania in Panavish. That's where he went for Yeshiva Katana. And the Rav of Panavish, Panavish was not a town, it was a city. Like it was when you became the rabbi of Panavish or 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 Kovna, these, are, <clears throat> these were bigger cities already. These are very uh, important rabbinates in Lithuania. And the Rav Rav Kahanaman, Zechron Lavracha, <coughs> went to visit Eretz Yisrael while my father was in the Yeshiva Katana, while he was studying there. He was then about 13, 14 years old maybe 15 already, we studied there 13 and 14, I think. And the Rav, the Panavisha Rav, came back to, to Lithuania afterwards, and of course the students gathered around him to ask him, like, what old things did he see in Eretz Yisrael? He wanted to know, you know, if he went to the Kotel, if he went to Kirit Arba, to Hebron, and the Panavish Rav said, I saw two very old things. I saw the Wailing Wall when I was in Eretz Yisrael. This was the 1930s. And I saw Sinat Chinam. They're both very, very old things. And he experienced that both in the secular world of Israel at that time. Everyone was sort of vying for a position. Um... <clears throat> A position in, you know, eventually what they thought would become Eretz, will come Medinat Yisrael. So people were vying for, in the secular Zionist world, they were also worried about their seats, like we, they do today in the Knesset, and in the and in the Orthodox world as well. They were there was a lot of uh, different different disputes about. Who's a good Jew? Who's a bad Jew? And the Panavish Rav witnessed this. <coughs> Rav Soloveitchik writes that the the kernel of Sinat Chinam began with Yosef and his brothers. And of course that's Misa of a similar bonum. Rav Soloveitchik says it very in a very interesting way, but the text, the last thing that Yosef says 
The last time we hear Yosef speaking, when he's searching for his brothers, right, and eventually he finds his brothers and he wasn't so lucky by finding his brothers. And eventually, of course, they want to kill him and then they sell him. And the last thing we hear Yosef saying is, he's he's searching for the brothers. <coughs> and he asks some someone asks him, what are, what are you looking for? I'm searching for my brothers. Tell me where are the where where are they? Um, Sheep herder, and the person asks, uh, answers, "Vayomraish nasumize." They already traveled from here already. So Rashi comments and he says that Yosef was not, according to Chazal, just asking where his brothers are physically. He wanted to know where his brothers are on the level are they my brothers? Isachai anochim evakesh. I'm searching for my brothers. I know where Reuven and Shimon are. I'm searching for Etzachai. That's what I'm searching for. And Rashi comments and he says, the person answers them, they've already, they've already traveled far away from being your brothers. Which of course is a Chazal's hint to maybe Yosef should have turned around and gone home. Sir Soloveitchik says that's the first time in our history, the Maisova similar Bonum, where brothers, right, actual brothers, are willing to kill their own brother and are willing to sell their brother into slavery. Sir Soloveitchik writes, Elu Yaakov Nisha, Beret Israel, if Yaakov would have remained in Eretz Yisrael, af Nobody could have moved Yaakov from Eretz Yisrael if he would have remained there. Ha-galut The exile would never have happened. We wouldn't even need a redemption. But the God, Ashkacha Pratis, was weaving a different, a different goral for the Jewish people. Ulam, in other words, if he was in the middle of weaving one type of goula for the Jewish people. Ulam la acha mechiras Yosef nasta derech el agula aruka maot. But after the selling of Yosef, the way to the gula, the road changed. You know, sometimes you can take the highway and it's pretty short. Sometimes you can take a side road and it's pretty long, right? So he says the derech became much longer, and then he says he had to weave a different a different direction for the Jewish people to the Gula.
מחירס יוסף קבע מחדש את כיוונה של היסטוריה היהודית. סלינג יוסף changed the face of Jewish history. And of course, nobody learned from that. So you had a a Beis HaMikdash where the Gemara says they were Osik in Torah, mitzvahs, gemil chasadim, but they had sinat chinam. That cancer they couldn't root out. So it keeps cropping up generation, generation, generation. The measure says that God walked Avram Avinu into the Kodesh Kadoshim and he said to him that the problem exists even, you know, that problem, that old problem even exists <coughs> Today, <coughs> and the Asori Aruge Malchus is also because of that. Chazal tell us the ten martyrs is also because of that, because of the sin of selling Yosef. Rabbi Omar, b'chol dor adayin hachet kayam. In every generation, this sin is still there, still lurking. In the 14th century, the Orchus Sadikim writes, במידה הזאת, of sinna יש בולאב, דחשיב לו סיסנה סחיחה דלבובהה, שנאר hate your brother in your heart. ובזה, who's hardu la simen of shenu midas hasinna. It's not just to not hate your brother. You have to get rid of the mida called sinna, that character trait of hate. There's no purpose for that. Vehi mida goremes avonos harbe. It is a character trait that causes many sins, k'mo loshen hara. Someone who dislikes his friend eventually is going to talk about something derogatory about his friend. And he will constantly search for something evil about his friend. And when his friend stumbles or falls, he'll be happy. So sinas chinam is not just you know I have, I'm bearing like a grudge I I have this feeling but I I'm happy about the fact that my friend is having problems. In the 18th century, there's a woman who became very famous. She was the first woman to ever write, maybe even a book, but certainly the first woman to ever write a biography. Her name was Gluckel. She lived in Germany, and she writes like this: The kernel of the Torah is. This is, of course, translated from German. The kernel of the Torah is: Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But nowadays, we seldom find it so, and few are they who love their fellow men with all their heart. 
On the contrary, if a man can contrive to ruin his neighbor, nothing pleases him more. 14th century, 18th century, 20th century, Rabbi Chil Yaakov Weinberg records in his famous Sefer Sri Deish, a a walk he took with the author of Slabotka, the head of Slabotka Yeshiva, during what we call the the month of Av, when a lot of people go out to um, for a break. I don't know if it was before Tisha B'Av. It sounds like it was before Tisha B'Av, or it was after Tisha B'Av. The author of Slabotka says, the Satan, which we call Sinat Chinam, right? That adversary still dances in us. And who knows how much, how many Tsoros, Upronios, Old Lavolino, and how, who knows how much evil is going to be bestowed upon us because of it. Are we better than our fathers? And we have the chutzpah to complain, little name, on the lengthy golas. We have the chutzpah to complain about it. And it's just dancing all over us. The author said that it's a little like a, it's like a cancer. Cancer, a lot of times, unfortunately, we find out when it's at stage four already. It's a bit late, right? As it develops, we don't really, we don't always see it. That's one of the problems in Aschina. Because we always have excuses. And unless you dig deep inside of yourself, or inside the community, you don't really see it because of those excuses. I was always against joining the clubs because of that. You know, uh, they always ask you, you know, when you go for a shidduch, are you modern orthodox? Are you modern orthodox light? Modern orthodox machmir? Are you ultra-orthodox? Are you ultra-orthodox machmir? Are you ultra-orthodox modern orthodox? Are you modern ultra-orthodox? Or modern orthodox? Or orthodox modern? Right? Right? They always ask you the different questions. That's that the biggest problem of Sinat Chinam. I always say don't answer in one letter or one word because you actually don't know what they're thinking. If you say I'm modern orthodox, they think actually you're Michal Shabbos. Right? Or if you go to someone else and you say you're also orthodox, right? They feel you're the guy who goes down to the Kotel and starts beating up people who come to pray there in Rosh Chodesh. Right? Because... With the minute you have these clubs, right? So unless you're careful, you start thinking that my club is the right club. My club is the true club. And when it comes to mitzvot, right? And I was, you'll always hear that person will say, it's a mitzvah to hate the guy. If we're from, if you're fry, you don't have mitzvot, so you can't use that excuse. But if you're from, say, I think I would be overall assistant to Chichel It's a mitzvah to hate him, right? The, in fact, the 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 the, the in one of his comments, Ha'arot, says, 
Churban Bayis Rishon, the Churban the Churban Rishon, Chorav Mepnei Shvichas Dom Beiser, because it was destroyed because there was there was murder Beiser. Ubayis Sheni Chorav Mepnei Shahaya Shvichas Dom Beheter. In Bayis Sheni, they were killing people Beheter. How did he kill someone Beheter? Why? Shesfurim. Because they wouldn't just kill anybody, but this guy's a mitzvah to kill. Right? Rabbi Shlomo Volba writes in many, in a few places that I know all about this, about the problem of it's a mitzvah. Right? Balei shita chat machzikim zot mitzvah lachir yereveim. Uh, they hold it's a mitzvah to get the other group. One group, let's get the other group, right? Anshe shita charedis harodfim adchem yiruveim adoglu b'shita charedis acheres. Even amongst the Haredi Jews, you find one is one is running to, in some shape or form, you know, destroy the other one. Me hitter lahem and loshen hara valbonus parim upon him, who gave him a hetter for loshen hara, right? From an agia, from kai, gave him the hetter. That's because the whole nature of sinas chinam is 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 hidden. And that's why the Bali Musar say that it says in the Gemara, the first base of Migdash, the sin was revealed. And therefore, the end was revealed. The 70 years was revealed in Sefer Daniel, Sefer Yirmiyah. But the second base of Migdash, the sin was not revealed. Therefore, the end was not revealed. It was still in that diaspora trying to figure out when it's going to end, right? I think we should stop figuring out when it's going to end, but we should figure out how it's going to end. Now, it's how do we get it to end? Instead of like, you know, people keep predicting, like every Shemitah here, another Kabbalist predicting it. This is the Shemitah, right? And then, and then after the Shemitah, when it doesn't happen, they always want you to forget that they said it. You know, because that way, Kabbalists should know what he's talking about, right? These, these The predictors, they're predictors, but the answer to all that is you're not. You know, I'm not worried about when it's going to happen. I'm worried about how it's going to happen. Right? The only way it's going to happen if we become healthy Jews. So the Gemara says that the second base of the sin was not revealed. Of course, then the Gemara goes on and says, "Why was it destroyed? Because it's in Atchinam." So what do you mean it wasn't revealed? It was revealed. Right? So the Bali Musa say it wasn't revealed to the people of the second base of Mithar. It was revealed to the Chazal who lived afterwards. In other words, in retrospect, in hindsight, they realized like they were involved in Torah and mitzvahs. What could have caused the base of Mithar to be destroyed? So they dug deep and they found out, you know what? The Sinat Chinam. Because Sinat Chinam, the examples I gave you, are the easy ones. 
Those are the easy ones. There's a lot of examples that are very worrisome. I'll give you one, I'll give you two examples that happened to me uh, in recent, in recent, uh, in the recent past. There was this whole story that I don't like mentioning about this fellow Chaim Valder, who was a book writer for kids, and he was caught with all sorts of sexual abuse. And the fellow that did the research on him, because people came to him, was um, Shmuel Eliyahu, one of the, the, I think, the Sephardic rabbi of Tzvat. And he belongs more to the Dati Lumi community. I would call him maybe Chardal, that's another, I forgot to mention that group, right? Charidi Lumi. And I live in a pretty Haredi area. And they were talking about it because the Haredi world was quite shocked because he identified more with the Haredi world than with any other group. So I was actually I was walking out of shul and they were talking about it and one person said to me, Rabbi Yitzchak, what do, you, what do you think? So I said, look, I don't know what to say, but they said 21 men, women and children came to testify against him firsthand. They came to Tzfat to speak to Rav Shmuel Eliyahu firsthand. And the guy looks at me and he says to me, Tatsodek, you're, you're right. Avulomi Shalanu. He's not one of us. Because he wears a nidikipah. Here's a guy who interviewed a rabbi of stature, the Rav of Tzvat. I interviewed 21 people and this fellow who actually liked the guy, right, says, you know, he, he would love to believe him. But Avulomi Shalanu. He's not one of us. He does. He's not Haredi. That's Senat Chinam. And he walked away like almost krechzing that he couldn't believe the guy because Lomu Shalano. He didn't realize he was over on those Sisna Chichel 20 times on that. Right? A guy comes into a shul and announces his son became a tataluf, a captain in the army. And everybody gives him mazel tov and everything. About 15 minutes later, a guy comes into shul and says, my son became a Rosh Yeshiva in this and this Yeshiva. And everybody like, you know, okay. That's in the Tilumi world. Going to the army, becoming something in the army, get a big mazel tov, right? But to become a Rosh Yeshiva and a Yeshiva, okay, we'll make a living. Right? Every group has its problems. And instead of saying, like, you know, in the Haredi world, Torah, you know, you can't go Arba Amis without the Vri Torah, you know, in the Haredi world. And in the Datilumi world, you can't go without few miles without seeing how they're building Eretz for El. Right? Everybody has their place. Right? Instead of looking at the negative, why don't we look at the positive? What each one is contributing, not what each one is not contributing.
and there's bigotry. Bigotry in the religious world. I love Bali Chuva, but not in my family. I love gay rim. I love uh, converts, but not in my family. Right? How many times have I heard that? Well, I can't let my daughter go out. He's a Balchuva. I can't let my daughter go out. He's uh, or she's a Balchuva. Can't let my son go out. Or he's a Ger, or she's a Ger. What happened? a Ger. You should love the Ger. Shouldn't it be a a honor to get a Ger in your family? No. there is a seed in every one of us right it just depends on what the situation is where we all of a sudden feel this negative energy about somebody and it's sometimes very sophisticated so unless you really dig down really deep you don't see it It's interesting that when I when I went to Eretz show for the first time in 1972, my parents went to Eretz show, so they took me on a trip. And I asked my grandfather, you know, what is the most important thing I should see in Eretz row? You know, I was thinking like again the hotel, the you know. Hevron, Tzvat, right? He said, the most important thing you should see in Eretz Yisrael is that there's Jews that are different than you. Because in America, we don't have Taimani Jews, we don't have Sephardic Jews, right? And of course, in Sephardic and Ashkenazim, there's always a problem with that. It's interesting, normally we find the problem is the Ashkenazi doesn't want to marry the Sephardi in Eretz Yisrael. I had a guy in Chappelle's goes back probably 40 years ago. A student of mine in Chappelle's met a Sephardi girl at a bus stop on the way to Beit Ale. Okay? And um, they started schmoozing and they started dating from the bus stop. And that's why a lot of people think you don't need a shot thing. You only have to wait at a bus stop. <laughs> it happens every so often, but I wouldn't count on it. And... Uh, she gets very serious. She's going for a degree in Hebrew University in in uh, Piyut, liturgy, Jewish liturgy. That time, the what the professor of the liturgy, the university, was actually a fellow who studied in Mir Yeshiva. He was a very big. He was a Talmud Chacham, and he was a very big expert in all the liturgy. We have the Kinos and the Slichos and all the things that we have. It's a very big expert. She was learning under him. And uh, obviously she was, you know, going to university. She was pretty modern. He was already a doctor from Australia. And um, she went home to tell her father she's dating seriously. So the father said, is he an Ashkenazi? So he said, he said, uh, he said yeah, he's an Ashkenazi. He's from Australia. Forget it. We only let Svartim in the family. The, her father was a Roshiv in Porat Yosef. We only let Svartim in this family. Okay? Of course, they got married, they lived happily ever after, and I even think that his father-in-law got to like him. <laughs> He's a really, really nice guy, actually. It's a problem 
everywhere. Right? And that's what my grandfather said. He said that you should make sure to see that there are Jews not like you, that are not like you. You know, they're also legitimate. Rev Cook was one of those Jews that didn't suffer from this illness. There weren't a lot of Jews like that. Maybe Rabari Levine also and Rav Cook at that time. They didn't just, and that's why they were, you know, they were loved by religious people, secular people. Rabari Levine was very much loved by the secular people. He used to see them running towards him. Rav Cook. I think I read this, I'm not sure where I read it, I may have read it on the, in the biography of Mrs. Alman Melzer. Mrs. Alman Melzer used to have aggravation when they used to put up what we call in Jerusalem, maybe in Eritrea, Paschavilin against a, a rabbi or this or that. So they, they used to constantly put up Paschavilin, you know, these, you see them in Gula, these large letters. In Gula, sometimes they're good letters too. They're not always against somebody. But, you know, that's the way they, I guess they don't read papers, so that's what they read you know, on the street. You've seen those large black and white. It has to be black and white. Uh, uh, and, it, you know, it's going to have something about somebody. Unfortunately, sometimes somebody passes away. So there was a particular person who was in charge of putting up Pascavilan against Rav Cook. Because there were different movements in Jerusalem about, and some of them were critical about how Rav Kook was interacting with the secular Jews. But a Pascaville usually meant you're going to put the person down pretty seriously. And one time, this guy, who used to constantly do this, walks in to Rav Kook's home, which is uh, right in the back of Rav Yafo, not far from Rav Yafo. Went into Rav Kook's home. Rav Kook was learning with a number of guys. And he waited by the door. He had his head down, waited by the door, and Rav Cook asked him, stopped the shear, and asked him what he wanted. He said, I have a very sick daughter. I need to get her to England to get... There's a very big surgeon who can operate on her. And I need a letter in order to raise money. With the Rav, give me a letter. And um, he right away got up and he... He wrote the letter, he grabbed stationery, he wrote the letter on it, and he wished him, wished her a full and wished him Hatzlocha in his raising the funds. When the fellow walked out, the students said to Rav Cook, Rebbe, did you recognize that fellow? That's the fellow who can't stand you, who constantly writes these Pascavilim publicly against you and belittles you. So Rav Cook said, of course I knew who it was. And actually... I worked on disliking him, but I didn't succeed. (laughs) That's a different type of approach completely. I understand why the Torah wrote, It's not your brother, it's another Jew. In other words, you got to get back to that. The problem with with the tribes were, they were missing the Achicha. We have to get back to realizing that every Jew is a chicha. Right? It's just a chicha. It doesn't write as reyecha. It's a chicha. Because he is really a brother. He's not a, 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 a blood brother. But he is, he's a brother. He's, he's on the same team. Let's put it that way. Right? 
I want to tell you, Rav Shlomo Volba records, I don't remember where, in one of his books he records that there was a fellow who we knew was in Israel who learnt in Kelim. Kelim was a Musser city where they had the altar of Kelim. There used to, was a Musser yeshiva there. And Shlomo Volba records that he always wanted to meet this fellow who moved, who lived in Kelm, but he never, never worked out that he should meet him. One time at a simcha, someone says, you know, this and this fellow is at the simcha, and Shlomo Volba realized that this is the fellow. I mean, I even may have said the name of the fellow, I don't remember. And Rabbi Shlomo Volba goes over to him, and he says to him, Shlomo Aleichem, I'm uh, Shlomo Volba. Which was, he was very well known in Eretz Yisrael. Right? He went over and the guy gave him a big smile. And Shlomo Volba was a humble person, so he like wanted to know, why is he smiling? And he said, he said, so he said to him, like, you know, where do I get the big smile? We don't really know each other. So I get his, so he says, in Kelm, when you met someone new, you always gave a big smile, because it was another opportunity to be Mekayim Vahaftal Reich HaKamoch.